Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Hoping you all had a great weekend. In today's episode, I'm so happy to have on Dr. Heidi Janenga, and she is here to talk about the State of Rehab Therapy Report powered by WebPT. If you're not familiar with Heidi, she is a physical therapist the co- and co-founder and chief clinical officer of WebPT, an eight-time Inc. 5000 honoree, and the leading software solution for physical, occupational, and speech therapists. As a member of the board and senior management team, Heidi advises on WebPT's product vision, company culture, branding efforts, and internal operations while advocating for rehab therapists, women leaders, and entrepreneurs on a national and international scale. She's guided WebPT through several milestones, including three funding rounds, five acquisitions, and numerous national and corporate industry awards. In 2017, Heidi was honored by Health Data Management as one of the most powerful women in IT, and she was a finalist for EY's Entrepreneur of the Year. In 2018, she was named the Ed Dennison Business Leader of the Year at the Arizona Technology Council's Governor's Celebration of Innovation. She's also a proud member of the YPO Scottsdale Chapter and Charter 100, as well as an investor with Golden Seeds, which focuses on women-founded or led organizations. Her latest venture is called Rising Tide, which is a foundation dedicated to fostering diversity, inclusiveness, and physical therapy workforce. Now, today, what we talk about are the key findings from the State of Rehab Therapy report. Uh, There were a lot of interesting findings. I'm not going to give it all away now, but be sure to listen to the end because there's a lot of good stuff, especially if you work in in any physical therapy, occupational therapy, or speech therapy. A lot of good stuff here that you can use for yourself, whether you're a business owner or, or a clinician. Now, I also have another... A quick tidbit to say here. So today is July 12th. Tomorrow, July 13th, uh, WebPT is kicking off their Ascend webinar series with the State of Rehab Therapy in 2021, hosted by Heidi Janenga and Sean McKee, WebPT Chief Marketing Officer. Uh, So you can sign up today. If you join them tomorrow, Joining them live, you have a chance to win a high-low table from the WebPT Marketplace valued at $2,000. And of course, if you can't make the live session, don't worry. Register anyway to receive the recording and the handout. So a big thanks to Heidi for coming on today. And everyone, enjoy the key findings of the State of Rehab Therapy Report. Hey, Heidi, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thanks, Karen. Uh, So excited myself to be here. So thanks for the invite. Really appreciate it. Of course. And today we're going to talk all about the key trends that were revealed in the State of Rehab Therapy Report powered by WebPT. But before we get to those trends, can you tell the listeners how all of this information was compiled? Sure. So we actually started conducting this industry-wide survey of the rehab therapy industry and what we consider rehab therapy is PTOT and speech 
um, back in 2017. Um, that was the first time we released the State of Rehab Therapy report. Um, and essentially, we were trying, we had a lot of questions about the industry that we just honestly couldn't find the answers. Um, and so we decided, well, we're just going to put out a survey to ask the questions we want answered. Um, topics ranged from business financials, operational structure, patient volumes, job satisfaction, technology trends, demographics. Like we just really wanted to dive into sort of slice and dice the industry a little bit more as far as data can, uh, goes. And um, we took a little bit of a pause in uh, 2020, obviously due to COVID, um, but we did uh, actually launch the survey at the end of the year. And so that's what we're talking about now uh, as far as the results go. And we collected, I think over 6,700 responses, the majority of, of whom treat patients directly. So either as therapists um, or assistants and 60% of them were from outpatient private practice. So the other 40% were from other therapists who work in other areas of the industry. So. Um, we feel like the findings really, uh, you know, give a good sort of breakdown of what's going on in the profession as a whole. And let's just dive in then. Let's talk about some of those trends. So I will just kind of throw it over to you and we'll go through the major trends that you found. So let's, let's start. Yeah, well, let's just kick it off with something that's top of mind, I know, for a lot of businesses um, and not just in the PT world, based on some of the uh, occurrences within 2020, and that's really focusing on diversity. Um, I think we've talked about it a lot, that we, we all sort of know that there's this issue of lack of diversity within our profession as a whole. Um, we're pretty much racially very homogeneous. Um, our survey results showed that 77.4% of, of rehab professionals identify as white. Um, our results showed 6% identify as Asian, 55 identify as Hispanic or Latino, 2.8% identify as Black or African American, um, and then a smaller percentages of the American Indian or Alaska Native and Native Hawaiian and other Pacific Islander. And so if you sort of then contrast that, right, with the overall society of, of the US, I mean, there's just huge gaps in terms of um, not reflecting who our patients really are in, in every area of the nation. Um, so, you know, we, we asked a little bit of why some of the, the factors that are leading to that. And, and I think that, you know, we can sort of hypothesize a lot on, you know, the flawed student recruitment, like we're just not getting them in. We're not, for whatever reason, they don't know how cool it is to be a physical therapist. They're not attracted to it. So the recruitment is kind of broken. Um, and so from there, you just have a limited hiring pool. Uh, and of course, you know, I think what a lot of people are sort of now attacking also is just, do we have some unconscious bias? Like, do we need more training of our, our teams and recruiting processes within our own organizations to sort of eliminate and hopefully put a little more attention on trying to, to become more diverse, uh, in our employee base? Yeah. And, you know, like you said that this is not unexpected, 
to continue to show this lack of diversity. And right. and yeah, where where does this start? Does this start with recruiting teenagers out of high school into undergrad and then recruiting from undergrad into grad school? Is it exposing more uh you know, people of color just to the profession in general. You know, there are some people doing great job with that, like Jasmine Tools in Southern New Jersey. I don't know if you know Jasmine, but she created um, a, a Girl Scout badge, a physical therapy Girl Scout badge. And she works mainly with Girl Scout troops in inner cities in Philadelphia. So you've got all these young girls who now know physical therapy is because they're getting their physical therapy badge. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, and we need more of that obviously happening at an earlier age to just, I mean, we've talked a lot about it, but I know you've talked about it on this podcast about sort of the brand problem of actually attracting patients in, but that also is reflected in attracting amazing people of all, you know, um, races, color, everything like, you know, into our profession as a whole. Now I will say, um, Karen, that we did see something positive. Um, you know, we, you and I have talked a lot about sort of the misrepresentation of women in leadership uh, within our profession. And we did see a pretty good uptick. We, we've also always talked about it in terms of, um, you know, 70% of therapists are women and yet only 30% of them hold uh, any kind of leadership position, um, whether it's clinic director or above manager. Um, but we did see that number uh, go up from where it was. And so 40% of the respondents said that they now hold uh, C-level executive positions, which I thought was great. I mean, that's a 10% improvement. So that's huge. that was awesome to, to see. Yeah. I love hearing that. That's a, that's a huge jump. 10%. Yep. Excellent. Well, that's, that's definitely a positive. Okay, so let's go to another uh, trend that came out of this report, and it has to do uh, with technology. So can you expand on that? Yeah, so I'm sure that a lot of your listeners can relate. Um, telehealth was an explosion that had to happen during COVID. We were all stuck at home, and people were in the midst of rehab, some hurt themselves doing, you know, working out at home, uh, using their, their um, Peloton or whatever it was, and they, they still needed therapy. Um, it wasn't like people stopped needing PT, right, or rehab therapy. And so um, telehealth exploded. Um, so the use of, of platform, telehealth technology platforms uh, spiked significantly over the last year. Although we saw about 70 5% of clinics that um, actually uh, implemented telehealth during this time, we've now seen that number completely plummet um, down to, to pretty low numbers. So people are going back to status quo now that it, but most cities and um, states are, have opened back up. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how this trend continues. I, I do whole tangent, we can do a whole nother podcast, I'm sure on how do you, how can we put, how can telehealth be utilized a from a patient um, experience perspective, but also from a reimbursement payment perspective, like how do we make sure that um, is, this, is there a hybrid potential in the future to 
in, in my assessment, reach more people. Like we, you know, we always talk about the 90% problem, right? Of 90% of patients who have a diagnosis uh, that could be beneficial in rehab therapy aren't getting to us. So how, how do we expand that opportunity? Telehealth is, it has, it has the potential to, to be a part of that. Yeah. I experienced that over COVID that exact thing. Now I still am, I am still using telehealth Mm-hmm. because uh, I'm in New York City, as a lot of people know, and there are still people who are like, eh, not, not just not comfortable, you know? Right. So I'm still using it. But what I found was that, so I have a cash-based practice. And so some people are like, ooh, it's a little pricey. Do you have a way around this? And I said, well, why don't we do one session in person and then we can move to telehealth and maybe do half-hour sessions on telehealth, which will be less expensive. Right. And it was a great mix. I do that. I did that a lot with kids. I mean, you can't keep a kid's attention for more than a half an hour in person or on telehealth. A teenager, right. forget it. Right. Um, so I found, oh, this is a perfect use of telehealth. So it's it still allows me to create the revenue I need for my business, and it's it's certainly a less expensive option. And I would argue a very, uh, very convenient and, and maybe just the perfect option for that subset of people. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm very much in favor of um, understanding the patient experience and the flexibility that telehealth can allow patients, right? Um, I think that there's just a lot of um, discussion right now on how do we get paid for that, right? And whether or not does a telehealth this, should we be paid the same amount as an in per, for an in-person visit versus a telehealth visit? And I think it's still up in the air. Like I, I, I fully can see it from both sides, right? Um, but to your point, the expense side of what your, your cost as a individual business owner on telehealth is significantly less, right? And you could, the volume of people that you can kind of stack up to be able to see is significantly more, right? And so I guess also the, there's still a lot to be known about the outcome, right? Is it truly beneficial for the patient experience? Cause you know, there's, there's data now coming out that telehealth is actually expanding the um, utilization of care of in-person. So People aren't getting necessary. It, it's it's increasing the the number of visits in a um, uh, episode of care uh, because it's not taking the place of in person. It's adding to in person, right? And so we we still need to understand and pull the data of 2020 to understand how it fully impacted. Because you know, insurances are always leery about <laughs> adding more New things. Visits. And paying out a little bit more for, for treatment. But if the outcomes are better, that to me always you know, speaks volumes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, was there any other technology aside from telehealth that um, reported being used more? Like, were there any apps or any, you know, other types of, of tech? Or was telehealth really the, the main thing? Well, telehealth was the big one. Um, but I think uh, there were a lot more folks that, decided to ramp up their direct access marketing efforts. So um, I thought that was really interesting, like in order to to keep in contact with your patients, right? And also keep some volume coming in. Um, again, we it, it sort of pushed people in areas that they knew they should be doing, but now had the opportunity to do during this sort of 
time. You know, we, we were talking a lot about it uh, at WebPT of this is the time to work on your business when maybe you can't work in your business, right? And so we saw, you know, marketing significantly ramp up for a lot of cl uh, clinics, whether it was, you know, working on their website to um, their digital marketing strategy, uh, things like that. And then figuring out some different ways to offer more non-traditional services, whether that's, you know, like you, cash-based services, rideshare, um, you know, nutritional counseling, like additive sort of things to their repertoire of services that they could add, add on additionally to the clinic, which, you know, all great things. So I think it's just expanding the opportunity for more revenue streams through the use of technology, mainly via their site or Zoom or, you know, other things where they uh, could have a larger audience um, all at one time versus having to only have a few that you had to physically come into the practice. So uh, yeah. it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah. I think it COVID sort of forced people to think outside the box. So instead of just sticking with, well, it's been working. And then all of a sudden, wait a second, this literally can't work at the moment. So what do we have to do? So it maybe it, it, it sparks some more creative thinking from people. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a good thing. That's a good Always, thing. Right. Okay. Out of your, out of your proverbial box. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oftentimes you'll have business growth from that, which leads us to our next point. Let's talk about what a great segue. Let's talk about, um, business continuity and growth, which uh, when I read this, I was like, oh boy. So go ahead. Let's talk about that. Okay. Well, as you can imagine, it was a bit of a mixed bag, right? I mean, there were quite a few un unfortunate uh, closed doors that happened to practices. Um, it was also a huge opportunity for some of our larger organizations, enterprise organizations in the profession to continue with their consolidation and bring more clinics into the fold. Um, but we did find, you know, we, we've been doing a lot of education over the years on the business side and really have talked about how important it is to have that rainy day fund of, you know, at least three months of expenses. Now we all know that COVID happened longer than that. We've been under this COVID umbrella for longer than that, but truly having to close your doors probably did not have to happen for more than 90 days, depending on, you know, what state you were in, but essential, we were essential workers, right? So, you know, the bright side of that was that um, I think 38% uh, of leaders that uh, took the survey said they did have that. So 40% of respondents said, yep, we had what we needed to do. We hunkered down. We did some of that, those other things that we could outside of the box during that time, right? Um, and we survived, right? And so that to me was just really heartwarming to see, like you, you hear horror stories in other industries, restaurant and other things where, man, they just suffered big time, right? And so um, it was good to see that it, from the private practice sector, um, there was still significant amount of businesses that were remained viable during this time, found ways to uh, continue on with some other revenue streams, um, and as a matter of fact, 34% of our clinic leaders said they were already starting to open more practices and locations. 
um, within the next five years. So they're not, you know, struggling right now. And as you know, um, even though our visits completely plummeted for a few months, like they quickly ramped back up and almost every clinic leader that I talked to today are at pre-COVID numbers and most of them are above pre-COVID numbers. They can't keep up with the volume right now for the most part. So good problems to have. Um, I'm just excited that, you know, again, we, at, we were at the forefront um, of, of essential workers helping people in need, whether it was specifically in orthopedic um, you know, rehab, but also there's so many great stories of how clinics you know, were out there uh, helping folks. And now we have the post-COVID long haulers that we're now getting uh, into our practices. So the value of PT did not dwindle during this time, which is, which is great to see. Yeah, absolutely. And now, as we talk about these clinics ramping up and more patients coming in and more work for the PTs, well, oftentimes you can kind of see where I'm going here that can lead to burnout. So talk about the, the topic of burnout that you found within this report. Well, this was a problem pre-COVID, so it's not even anything super new. We we've continued to report on this. Of it, you know, the 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 slope is on the wrong is is going in the wrong direction. Um, based on our our, our survey, fifty uh, percent of therapists and forty two percent of therapy assistants reported feeling more burned out now than they did prior to the pandemic. Um, most of them cited reasons for that burnout were fear of contracting COVID. And, and just reminder, you know, this survey was taken at early this year, end of last year. So we were still sort of in the thick of things. Um, changes in their work hours and sort of change in the whole overall clinic morale. We're all experiencing some, you know, mental health sort of piece, fallout. Like fallout great word, fallout from all of this, right? And so as you can imagine, that was reflected in the survey. Um, so, you know, at the, at the same time, even though they reported this, this burnout, um, most of them uh, have said that they obviously still love our industry. They don't have any necessarily thoughts of, of potentially leaving. Um, although we do, we are seeing some, a little bit of that. I think just like every other industry, when you couldn't work, people picked up their heads and said, Hmm, what else is out there? Um, and we are seeing, you know, a few, a few more percentages of people looking outside of clinical care, which I, I'm, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, um, to, to continue, you know, projecting a, an awesome brand for PT professionals, um, but outside or, or doing things now in non-clinical care, uh, non-clinical work. Yeah. And I've definitely seen a lot. I've seen that sort of trend as well as moving away from patient care and going into non-clinical roles, which like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, right. You have to do what feels good for you. Um, what, what advice would you give to a PT who is, maybe they are one of those 50% who are feeling burnout um, or feeling like we hope it's not um, feeling apathetic 
towards the profession and their patients. But that is part of, of the burnout, uh, feeling burnt out is that real like apathy for just doing the job. So what advice would you have? Yeah, you know, most of the time, and I'll speak to myself and when I feel burned out, I, I have to get back to the root of passion of, around why I'm doing it. Why, why do I love, why, why did I get into this in the first place? Um, what is my purpose? sort of in being a PT and, um, you know, and figure out, you know, what's causing, what are the root causes of, of, of these feelings of burnout? Uh, is it the current position I'm in? Do I just not like who I'm working for? Do my values not line up with my employer? Like some of these things, like people, you just, you still feel so lucky to have a job sometimes during time. And then, and then now that, you know, things are kind of opening back up, I think a lot of people are coming out of COVID uh, experiencing like, holy crap, like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> they, they've lost their family members. They've lost friends. Like it's, it's kind of this wake up call for a lot of people to say, holy crap, what am I doing with my life? Like, is this really what I want to do and love to do? And so you see a lot of people struggling with that um, and maybe not per perhaps loving what, where they are and what they're doing. And so they're kind of in this burnout phase. And I, I, again, this was taken in late December, January, right? You've been hunkered down for a whole year <laughs> with not a, a positive end in sight, even at that point. Right. I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. Starting to come out of it. So things were kind of doom and gloom in, in the country. We're just transitioning out of, you know, a presidential race. There was a lot of change and a lot of turmoil going on in the, in the country at that point in time. So I think that's also reflected here, Karen. Um, I would say this is probably similar to what you might ask any average American during this time. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, uh, I would just take that into consideration as we look at these numbers, but you know, one of the things we didn't talk about here um, with regard to demographics is also just the, the student debt that is still a, such a huge problem in our profession. And it's just, it's not getting any better necessarily. And so you, again, compounding your student debt on top of, oh my gosh, do I really love my job? Like there's, and COVID and everything else. Like there's just, uh, you just, you feel kind of, um, in despair. Right. And so, uh, I think that's, what's really reflected here. Yeah, and what would I, again, what would I tell people? I'm like, again, go back to the roots. Like what, what do you, why do you love what you do or why, why do what did you get into this profession to do and find a path to be able to make that happen? Yeah. It's like you said, it's sort of stress upon stress upon stress with uncertainty. Yes. And that's really difficult for people, especially Great when point. you have a boatload of student loans and wait, no one's hiring now, right? When this was taken, when this survey was taken, we weren't at those pre-COVID levels yet because right. the vaccine hadn't been widespread yet. And so, um, yeah, I can understand why a lot of people felt burnout and, and quite honestly, I agree with you. I would say 50% plus of Americans felt burnout at that time as well. Yeah. And, and going back to some of the COVID impacts, like when the survey was taken, you know, our survey results showed that 
a lot of clinics were in that uncertainty phase of not exactly knowing when they were going to actually meet or exceed or even get close to their budget that they had projected for 2021, right? And so there were cutbacks being made, perhaps, you know, um, raises were on hold, right? There's just a lot of factors as an employee or as a therapist that you're kind of like, that uncertainty really does not make you feel good, right? Yeah. So I think all of that is reflected. I mean, there's so many facets that, that can be reflected in that burnout number, especially after the year we just had. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just one thing. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. Okay. Is there, what were, are there any other sort of major trends from the report that we didn't hit on yet that you want to make sure the listeners get? Well, you know, I'm a huge advocate on advocacy as you are. Um, and you know, we always kind of want to know like where and how are people doing advocacy? How do they get involved with the profession? How do they get involved to, to stand up for the profession? Um, and no, no difference in, in years past, you know, the, unfortunately the APTA and the AOTA, um, and even ASHA to some point, ASHA actually has done a fabulous job um, as far as uh, galvanizing their uh, SLP base. Um, but APTA and, and AOTA, almost 50% of those res- responded to our, our survey um, said that they were either not members or had no intention of being members because they didn't feel like it added value uh, for the cost of, of being a member. And so, you know, from an advocacy perspective, um, I, it was also a dismal number to sit, to show that 60% of rehab professionals, um, said that they didn't participate in any of the numerous advocacy efforts from last year, which was like a dagger to my heart. (laughs) Um, I will say though, that that is a significantly lower number, which is still sad because we did rally a lot of people last year uh, around the 9% cuts and all of that. I I think more people than ever, I guess, if you look at the, you know, the positive side of this, more people than ever did get involved, um, whether it was, you know, to provide telehealth, to have an avenue for more, for revenue, the 9% cuts, you know, all of those things definitely rallied folks to become more involved, but we still have, you know, to your words earlier, some apathetic PTs that just don't understand, maybe it's just don't even understand how advocacy works. They don't feel like they have time. Um, It doesn't make a difference. Like all the excuses that people um, want to give. So it's always a point of contention for me, whether it's, you know, if you wanna be a member, I believe everybody should be a member of the APTA. It's your association. They represent all, everyone in in the, uh, profession as a whole. Um, I know they struggle because it's just, there's so many opportunities for PT and, and, um, specializations within our profession that everybody wants to raise their hand and say, you need to represent me. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all physical therapists and that's what we need to, I feel like we must come back to. Um, and so, and also with the PT pack, 
you know, and, and uh, having been a, a previous trustee, I know how hard it is to, and the small, small percentages of people that do contribute to this hugely important effort of how advocacy has to be done in meetings and people knowing who you are as an association, as a group, and why it's so important to to not have cuts to our profession, right? I mean, they are just ignorant to, to essentially what we do on a regular basis and, and how much we get paid for it or lack thereof. Yeah, and, and what I would say to people listening, even if you disagree with some of the decisions or directions of APTA, that's all the more reason to be involved so that your vote your voice can be heard and and maybe you can change some of those things that you don't like i mean i understand it's a slow ship to steer it's a big organization like you know it's not like a nimble small private practice owner who can change things on a dime you know but it is a big ship to steer but the more and more people especially younger therapists that can get involved and have their voices heard, I think that there's a, a good chance to make a difference. For sure. And I, I think just understanding how you can get involved, whether it's, there's lots of ways to be involved, even if, you know, it's, it's financial for now, or maybe you kind of, maybe it's just time. Like there's lots of different ways to, to add your voice and your voice does matter. Um, and I, I think that more than ever is important to, for people to understand um, I think we had the most, uh, it's not just even therapist voices, but patient voices. We had the most number of patients. That was something we, we rallied so well with this year is to get the patient voice heard uh, with regard to the 9% cut, especially on the Medicare side. And so um, I think that was pretty impressive and made a huge, huge uh, impact um, with the legislators with regard to the effect and why we've had some significant progress in, in mitigating those cuts. Yeah. And oftentimes like you can be involved in like the easiest way possible by just like going onto a website and putting in your zip code, finding the people and pressing a button and it sends it off. Like to me, it sends it off to like Chuck Schumer and, and Kirsten Gillibrand and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, it, it, it's so easy. Even if you don't know who your legislators are, the APT, uh, APTA, the AOTA, APTQI, like there's so many sites now that are help making this so much easier to become involved, to, to, to lend your voice, right, in a way that is super impactful. Yeah. And it only takes a couple of minutes. Yeah, <laughs> if that. And, and you yeah. don't have to be a member to do that. Yes, nor do your parents or your friends. Right. Two and it's seconds. Free. And it's free. And <laughs> if you have a smartphone, it literally takes two seconds. And voila, it's all pre-written. So yeah, I agree. I think positive advocacy efforts are so needed. And like you said, they, they make a difference, you know? Um, so, okay. I think we talked about a lot. We talked about... Um, diversity, technology, COVID, advocacy, uh, business growth, anything else that really jumps out at you from this report? Uh, no, I think those are the big highlights. Um, you know, we look forward to, to now being able to compare 
this is a, a great sort of slice in time immediately post, kind of post COVID, just immediately prior to the, you know, getting back to quote unquote normal as far as visit numbers and things like that. So we definitely look forward to doing this again uh, next year. So I encourage um, your listeners to participate in the future um, again, to get your voice heard and to, to really be able to reflect more of uh, what's going on in the industry. Yeah, I think it's great. And where can people find this report if they wanted to read the whole thing? Yeah, if you go to webpt.com slash state of rehab therapy, um, or if you just go to our blog page, um, you'll find it uh, and you, it's a free to download. It's actually a 60 page report full of graphics and like if you're a data nerd like dive in because there there's we have sliced and diced it and made this beautiful our team is just awesome um and uh, did a lot of work to to make this digestible from anyone even if you're not a data nerd uh to bring out the highlights and then also um karen we're going to be doing a um webinar uh coming up uh, in just a couple of weeks. So you'll find that on our website as well. You can sign up for the webinar. We'll, we'll go in much deeper depth, uh, as far as the, um, details of, of more of these topics that you and I have talked about today. Excellent. Excellent. And they can, all, all that can be found on the WebPT website. Yep. Perfect. And where can people find you on social media, things like that, if they want to follow you or get in touch or ask you questions? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Heidi Jananga. Um, so it's J-A-N-N-E-N-G-A. Um, and yeah, happy to engage uh, on social, do it quite a bit, especially on, via LinkedIn. So love Perfect. to connect with uh, any of your listeners. Excellent. And then finally, last question, what advice, knowing where you are now in your life and career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Maybe you're that PT right out of PT school, <laughs> the young PT. Yeah. Uh, it's a great question. And man, um, I have to reflect back quite a few years when I was a young PT now. Um, but I think the, the biggest piece of advice uh, I would give is really around not thinking that you have to have all the answers. So I had a hard time when I first came out of, I felt like, okay, I'm a, I'm a physical therapist now. I'm in front of my patient, that credibility of, of any question they are going to ask me, I have to know the answer. Um, and that's not always, that's not true. Actually, the, the ability to say, I'm not sure, let get, let me get back to you and truly providing a, a, a researched great response versus an off the cuff, maybe not perfect response. Um, I think sometimes it, it can be so much more valuable um, in your overall long-term credibility with that, that particular patient or other therapist or leader. Um, it takes a lot of vulnerability to say, I don't know, um, and a lot of confidence to say, I don't know, but I wish I would have been able to do that maybe a little bit more in the beginning and not felt the pressure of having to feel like I needed to know all the answers because 
Lord knows I didn't know all the answers back in the day. <laughs> I still don't know them today, right? And, um, you know, one of the other interesting things just from a, as my growth as a leader in this same sort of vein is what I've learned over time is that as a leader, you shouldn't have all the answers, right? It's my people come to me now and they've learned over time, like you become a crutch to those that work with you or for you um, if you're the only one who has all the answers, right? Versus putting it back onto them to say, well, what do you think? Like, what do you think the answer is? Um, come to me with solutions, not just a problem. And so to me, that's training and, and bringing in new leaders. I learned that from, from a leader who was a mentor to me quite a few years ago. And so that's another sort of way that now I've shifted that same response uh, from a leadership perspective. Oh my gosh. I could talk all day on this from a leadership perspective. So we may have to do another podcast on this. I think people <laughs> would love it. Um, well, this Heidi, this was great. Thank you so much. Such good, good information for anyone in any of the rehab therapies, PT, OT speech um, to download this report, dive in and, and use this report for your own business or your own practice. You know, that's what these reports are for, right? To kind of not just look at and say, oh, that was a cool report, but to actually use the report and, and use it to be a guide maybe to your business or to your practice. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like how, how in your business decision, trends that you're, we're seeing in the industry um, that you can validate some of your decision-making on um, it is exactly why we've, we've put this out there to the public with no cost to you. Like it's, it's really just to, to benefit and give back to this industry that we love so much and want to see flourish. So, um, Karen, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Congratulations on all your success. Can't say enough how awesome you are with your advocacy and as an influencer and, and, um, true thought leader in our industry. So thanks for everything you're doing with this podcast and, and, and all of your other um, ventures. It's, it's awesome to watch you and see how much uh, uh, of an impact you've been able to have uh, in our profession. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Making me blush aside from the large scratch from my cat on my cheek where it's already red. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, and everyone, thank you so much for listening uh, to this episode. Go download the report today. We'll have all the links to it at the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com under this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.